Hey everyone, welcome to the Gatekeepers podcast. This episode is a recording from the Black Voices event that was hosted at Gatekeepers, diving into the topics of racism in the gospel. If you want to know more about Gatekeepers, visit gatecityatl.com gatekeepers. Enjoy. But yeah, guys, for me, I don't have a very typical black story. Um, I'm from Colorado. There's not a lot of black people in Colorado in general. I don't know if you even know anyone that's black from Colorado, but here's your first one if you haven't. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I'm adopted. I have two white parents. Um, I was adopted when I was a baby. And my family's mixed. We have, I have two other Chinese siblings. I have a black sister as well, and I have two white siblings. So very mixed family. And it's kingdom. Yep, that's what we like to call it. So it's kingdom. Um, but yeah, for me, I grew up like in the church. I grew up going to church on Sundays, youth group on Wednesdays. Um, but that was the culture that my family had set. And so that's what we did. And so for me growing up from very early age, like that's all I knew. Like it's just, that's, it became second nature. I just go to church on Sundays, school through the week, Wednesdays, youth group. That was me. Um, but from a quick age, because of where I was at, um, in third grade was like the earliest I remember it. I experienced a lot of racism growing up, honestly. And so through that, what was so hard about it was that, like, as a third grader, I don't know what that actually means. Like, I remember that's, like, the earliest I can remember. Like, I go, and I remember there was this kid, and he's like, hey, you, uh, you can't go to the bathroom here. And I was like, oh, why is that? And it's like, oh, my dad said, because you're black, you can't. As a third grader, I don't know what that means. Like, that's so new to me. I don't know what this language is. And so from that place, that's where my story started, because that's where I, that's where I was finding out who I was going to be. That's where I started to decide, like, who I was, who I was going to be the story that I wanted to live in, like the life I was gonna live. And so I remember getting up to about like seventh grade and that's when I'm trying to figure out who I am as a man, as every seventh grader should, because apparently you're a man in seventh grade and that's, that's when you're there. It's just like, in seventh grade, I'm a man and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna set this culture for myself. Like I'm, I'm rooted, I'm in middle school, like out of elementary school, like people are gonna treat me different. They're gonna look at me different, like, come on. Um, and so because of that, through that whole process of growing up, I'm still experiencing racism. And by the time I got to seventh grade, I finally understood what that meant. That like, okay, there's people in the world that aren't gonna cho- are gonna choose to treat me a certain way because of this, my skin color. That was that was what I just realized. And so because of that, also growing up, like my school that I went to, um, I was in seventh grade. I transferred to a private Christian high school, and there's like 350 students, and there's yeah 350 students, and then there's like four black kids, and like I'm the only I'm, there's two of us in my graduating class of that year. And so for me growing up, that was just my life, and like. My parents, it's so hard on them because they're trying to raise their black son, but they're white parents, so they don't know how to fully explain it of like why I'm experiencing this stuff, but they're trying their best. And they did great. I love them. They're the best. Mike and Diane are legends. Shout out Mike and yeah, shout out mom and dad. Um, but I remember at seventh grade, like that was when I really decided like what kind of life am I going to live? So I really decided like, okay, the world says I need to be this tough, non-emotion showing, but popular kid, but then... I don't really know what that means. So I'm just like, I guess I must, I just need to do that. And so everyone, and there's this weird thing in Colorado, just with black people in general. And just, I don't even know if it's anywhere else, but I just know this in black in Colorado, because there's not a lot of black people there. Like a lot of my friends that I had at different schools that were black, they experienced the same things. But there was this weird agenda of people want to know you and see you and bring you into the, like, into the groups of like the popular groups, but they also, you're easy to disposable. So it's like you're a pawn. So it's like as a black person being there, being in this place of like, in, like the only one there, it's like everyone wants to know who I am. Everyone wants to be my friend, but they can pull me into any situation they want, but then also throw me out at the same time. And so for me, this was super painful because I'm just like, I'm growing up in this life of trying to fit in, trying to be understood. And like everyone can see me, but they still can't see past my skin color. So like I have like, praise God, I got some like amazing friends back at home. And like, that was amazing. But there was still those few people that I had. And so growing up, like that was so difficult because I started struggling with depression, anxiety, insecurity. And the way that I would feed that was very early on getting addicted to pornography, smoking weed, drinking, vaping, like from seventh grade on till I graduated, that was my life. Because all I knew to do in those moments, like my parents didn't know about it. I didn't, I told them about the racism. I told them about the things I was experiencing, but they don't know how to process that with me fully. Like they can say, they can bring scripture into it. They can bring all these different things, but they still won't understand what it means to be black fully. And so I remember I get, so when I, in high school, that's when it really started changing because I'm like, all right, I completely got rid of God. I'm like, he's not doing anything for me. I completely dropped my identity and the inheritance that I should receive being his son, but I didn't know what that inheritance was yet, yet. 
And so, <laughs> and so I remember like going through high school and like I'm not going to church, like I'm going to church on Sundays, putting on the right mask, looking like I'm answering all the right things, seeing all the elders, seeing all the pastors, like, hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. But then I completely dropped youth group, didn't do that because all the kids in my youth group are saying they're Christians, but I'm seeing them at the same party the next night. So I'm like, now it's like, so in my life, everything that's modeled to me as Christianity is completely fake. Even at my private Christian high school, everyone there is fake as well because we're all doing the same things together. So it's like all of us in Bible class answering the right things because that was one of the mandatory classes. But then right after that, after get off soccer practice, whatever, we're vaping or at lunch, we're going and smoking weed. Like that's what we did. And so I had this false thing of like, man, well, Christianity is just fake. I don't need this. God, you're not doing nothing for me because everyone's still treating me differently. And so it gets to the point where I get to my senior year of high school and crazy depressed, still struggling with addictions, still stuck in pornography, still depressed, crazy depressed, tons of anxiety. And I remember I was like, okay, at this point I was going to go to YWAM. And if y'all know what YWAM is, raise your hand at all. Real quick, YWAM is one of like the biggest missions sending organizations in the world. It's in Kona, Hawaii. So my sister had done it. And so that's how I'd known about it. So I didn't want to go to school because I was also not the best student, but most of it was because I was lazy, but that's okay now. <laughs> um, redeemed, period. Um, and so I remember I was like, okay, I'm going to go to YWAM when I graduate. And so that was like what I decided at the beginning of my senior year. And senior year, like that's a big deal because it's like it's your senior year. You're almost done. I'm playing soccer at the time. So like I'm playing soccer on varsity, starting with my friends. Like me and my friends are all starting together. It's just super fun. It's a fun year. And so that was the year that I was like, okay, like I'm just going to really just go crazy. Like God, you can meet me in YWAM, but until that point, I'm going to do whatever I want until I get there. So at that point, it's like, okay, like everything that I was doing growing up, I'm going to do that. Like I did it two times more. So it's just like more weed, more alcohol, more depression, all these different things. Like that's what it was. I just stepped into this lifestyle of that. And it was a cycle and a cycle and a cycle. I just was stuck in it. And so I get to my graduation and I graduate and my friend's parents paid for us to go to this cabin up the mountains. And I remember we're driving up there in my car and we have like a backpack full of weed, tons of alcohol. We got cocaine streams, just like all the stuff in our car and like zero conviction as I'm driving up. Like we're just partying, having a great time. And I remember I get up there, my parents, they call me, they're like, hey, like, did you guys get up there all right? And I'm like, yep. They're like, is everyone making good decisions? And I'm like, oh yeah, totally. As like, I have a water bottle full of like vodka. And like, when I said that y'all, like literally, like numb, like no conviction. At that point in my life, it was just like, that was the life I was living. I chose to live that, I was stuck in it. And so because I knew something, like because I knew nothing else, that's what I just sat in. So I go through that weekend and it was not a fun weekend. I don't know why we think it is so fun to do all that stuff, but it's not because it was just, you end up being blacked out and it's just horrible and you wake up and you you're just feel gross, it's gross. It's not, it's not fun. <laughs> and so I remember I'm driving down and um, I'm just have like a kind of a God moment. I'm just like, all right, God, like I'm leaving in a couple weeks to go to Kona. Like, if you don't meet me there, I'm going to kill myself. Like, that's literally what my life was at the point. Like I had multiple times of like wanting to kill myself, never took the steps to do it. But I was like, all right, this is it. This is the last job. Like, if you do not meet me, I do not want to be on this earth because no point to my life. Because I was like, after my YWAM DTS, if I didn't know I was going to get met, I'm like, I'm not just going to go home and like sit there and do the same things. So I was just like, there's no point in me being here anyways. And so I go to Kona. And I remember just sitting there and like, in the, so I'm going and like, there's all these Christian kids around me. It's amazing. And God met me there, obviously. But I remember I'm in this, this worship set and there's all these people around me, almost like, the, like up here, like where literally everyone's just jumping around, dancing, people are sitting, people are in the back, like whatever. Like that's what it was happening in the room. And I remember I'm just like in the middle and I'm just sitting there on my knees and I'm just like crying out to God. I'm like, God, like I can't do this. Like I want a relationship with you. Like I want to be set free. I want to not have to live in this life. Like, what is the purpose of my life? What is the call of my life? Why am I even here? What is, what is the point of all this? And I remember he just came and met me in a moment. And I was like, God, like, I want to get out of this lifestyle, but I don't know if I can do it because it's such a cycle. It's been a cycle from seventh grade until I graduated. And even at that point, because the first month that I got there, I was still vaping on the YWAM base. Like I found a group of friends that still did the same things that we went and got someone else to buy it for us. And that was the whole thing too. But I remember I'm sitting there and God met me in a moment, y'all. Like literally I'm sitting there on my knees and I'm like, God, like if like, I pray that when I actually like, if you could break these addictions off, like, would you give me disgust of like weed? Would you give me disgust of this so I wouldn't want to go back to it? And he did. He broke it off like instantly. Depression, anxiety, drug addiction. He broke it off. Yeah, praise God. And like thinking about it, like when you think about all the different things you would do, like you would want to like, what is the, like, what is the word? Withdrawals. Like you would go through withdrawals. Didn't have any of that. Like it was just 
literally, he, he broke that off and he re- rerouted me into who I was supposed to be. He showed me my calling. He started taking me through a trip in these past three to four years because um, I was about four years ago. I graduated high school 2019. Um, but that's when he started taking me through a transition of actually knowing like who I am as a son, the inheritance that I carry, what my identity is rooted in. It needs to be rooted in him and the cross and not, nothing else. Not this false identity, not the identity that the world says I need to live in that I was stuck in from my entire life. Because I was living in an identity that was so set from the culture around me, but didn't know how actually how God called me to be, like who God called me to be. And so I remember we had, as I got to this point of just like kind of re- re-stepping back into a relationship with Jesus, I remember there was a point where, um, let me get some water. Um, but I remember there was a point where we were practice preaching the gospel and we were sharing our testimonies live on Instagram, which was so great because my parents were watching, which is so fun. Because from seventh grade to this point, they didn't know I was doing any of this. Like, it's kind of, sound, it's going to sound stupid, but like, I was really good at hiding that stuff. Like, because that's something to like, be super prideful about. It's like, yes, I'm so good at hiding my addictions. Great. But I remember I'm sharing my testimony and how God met me. And like, not in like, from that place sharing the gospel and like how it wasn't a, moment of just like, I said yes, but like really explaining like, man, there was a God, there's a good father who met me, who broke those addictions off of my life. And so I'm, I'm preaching the gospel, I'm preaching the gospel and sharing my testimony. And I get to the point where I'm like, at this point, my parents don't know my testimony. So they don't, like they think they do, but they don't. And so I was like, I get to the point where I get to what I just shared with you, seventh grade to, through, and all the way through high school. And I was like, guys, like I was so depressed. I was so lost. And God came and met me in a moment. And I was stuck in all these addictions to weed, pornography, drinking, alcohol, all these different things like vaping. And the worst thing, my parents didn't even know about it until right now, because they're watching live. And so, <laughs> so I just waved at the camera and was just like, this is the worst. I was, just, I was like, mom, we'll talk about this after. <laughs> I love you. And then that was it. And it took her like three hours to, to respond. And then it, we were deemed it's great. And God did that. And it's, it's amazing. Strong relationship with my parents. Praise God. <laughs> But the reason I share all that to say is because it wasn't something that I did for myself. Because everyone, when they, like all my friends going through high school, like they're still in college right now. And what they were doing in their lives was like, they're gonna go to college and get a degree that they may not use. And then they're also gonna party. And they're like stuck in all these addictions around me. We did it all together. And they're stuck in this addiction. And they're thinking that, oh, if I'm struggling, I can get through it myself. Like even now, like I'll call my friends as I've been like, cause I'm a full-time missionary. This is what I've been doing for the past three years. And like, I'll call them and I'll be like, hey, how are you doing? And it's the same answer every time. It's like, oh, I'm doing good, but I'm, you know, I've been struggling with anxiety this semester. And like, I'll pray for him and I'll encourage him. And I kind of consider myself almost like the, the friend group chaplain, because that's how it kind of feels. And like a chaplain in the sense of like, I'm like here, but they're like, and I'm just like doing check-ins almost, you know? And they're like, I'm stuck in anxiety, stuck in all these different things. And like, they think they can get through it themselves. They're like, oh, it's all good. I started smoking more weed. I'm like, oh, perfect. That's such a good idea. No, it's not. Like, I'm like, bro, like, why would you do that? And so it's really to the point of the fact that, like, it was literally Jesus. It's Jesus that sets you free. It was Jesus that set me free. And so what I want to talk about is salvation, and salvation is found in Jesus. It's not found in yourself and what you can do to better yourself, to take a year off and be like, I'm just going to find myself. I'm going to find myself in drugs. I'm going to find myself in sleeping around. I'm going to find myself in pornography witchcraft, whatever you choose to do, like that's what it is. Like people would do that. Like sadly we have a generation that does that. Salvation is, is, is God sending his only son to die on a cross. Like he, God sent his son into a lost and dying and broken world for us. He sent his son to die on a cross for us. Like, because when I was stuck in my sin life, when we're stuck in a life of sin, when we're stuck in a cycle of sin, what's actually happening is that the fact that God wants a perfect relationship with us. He wants to be in relationship. He made you. You're his son. You're his daughter. There's a good father who loves you so much that he wants to be in relationship with you. And what sin does, is, and what sin, like that, my sin life cycle, what it did is it took me away from that perfect relationship. So it's like, if this is the relationship that he wants to have, sin separated us from it, so I can't get to it. It's like, I can see it, but it's like, and I'm willing, to, I'm like, am I really willing to go to it? Because at the end of the day, like, when Jesus died on that cross, he put a bridge there. And now it's up to you to walk across that bridge and be like, am I going to say yes to this? Do I want to walk to the cross? Do I want to see like that God really did send his son to die for me? 
And like sitting like, like the cross, like we talk about the cross in church. I heard about it all the time growing up and it never became so real until I actually was in relationship with him and understood what he actually did on that cross. Like, I think it's so sad because you look at like, like old Renaissance paintings of like Jesus on the cross. It's like this white man and he has a couple scratches here and here and like a little crown and he's kind of bleeding and it's like there, but like it wasn't an easy sight to see. Like it's, he was beaten, bruised, bloodied. Like you couldn't even tell who he was when he was hanging on the cross. Like there was a good God that came, he humbled himself to hang himself on a tree for you. That he would be whipped, his back would be ripped open. Like to where it would, you could see the bone, like he's bleeding. He's carrying that cross up to this mountain. He's bleeding out for you, thinking about you every single step he's going, thinking about, man, this is because I love them so much. And he's hanging on that cross. And like, when you think about the cross, like what, what did they actually do? When the cross was designed to do, it's like, if you don't know this, but when you're on those nails and stuff, you actually made, it's like a slow suffocation, if you didn't know that. So it's, you're pushing off, you're trying to push off those nails that are through your feet so that you can breathe. So you're, you're there to just suffocate. Like, that's what he did for you because he loves you so much and that's what he did for me. I didn't realize that for the longest time. I grew up in church, going to church on Sundays, youth group on Wednesdays, hearing the same stories, ending it, they always do like an altar call at the end, hearing it and I'm like, yeah, he died on a cross and that's it. But it's like, I didn't understand like, wow, he really went through all that pain for me because he wants a relationship with me. And so that's why sin is so horrible. Like that's why we need to have a clean breakup with our sin life cycle. So it's not that when you go to church and you have that altar call moment and you're sitting there, but you need a clean breakup from your sin life because that's what I didn't realize. The first time that I was like actually kind of, so I went to, there's a part of my story where I was in this youth camp and I met God and, and like he broke things off in my life, kind of, but it, what happened was I wasn't rooted in the truth of the cross. I wasn't rooted in the true identity of what the Bible actually says. So because of that, I backslid so hard. Like it's this two week, it's not, it's not like a get high moment of like, yes, Jesus is amazing. I'm gonna be used for the gospel. But then next week you backslide and you're actually smoking weed again. You just completely drop it. Because what I didn't do, choose to do in that moment was have a clean breakup with my sin. I didn't choose to be like, oh my goodness, this life cycle of sin is gonna kill me. I need to break off with that. And now if we look at it in like a high school sense of way, it's like a clean breakup with that toxic ex. We all know that there's that couple in high school where it's like, they're there, they're dating, and then everyone knows they broke up. And then it's like, yeah, like I, he's, she's totally not there for me. She's so toxic. And for the girls, like, yeah, he's just, he's just emotional. And then next week you see him back together. But like, that, it's real though. We all know this, we're laughing because it's real. Like people will be like, oh wait, it's, well, we're good now, we're good. And then the week after that, break up. Week after that, come back together. And then everyone's just sitting there and you're watching it and you're like, are you guys just gonna cut it off for real or not? But like, we all know it's real because it's there. That's what we need to do with our sin. Would we get so tired of it of like, bro, break it off already. Like, goodness. <laughs> That's what it is. It's like the realization of like, oh my goodness, like why would you go back to that? Bro, it's, been, it's the third time. And that, I'm speaking to myself in that because I was annoyed at myself and I look back at it like, why did I not cut that off sooner? Why did I not realize that that was gonna kill me sooner? That's what it does. It says in Galatians 5.1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And I wanna read it in the Passion Translation because I love how it says it. It says, at last we have freedom for Christ has set us free. We must always cherish this truth and firmly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. And I wanna sit on this real quick. Thank you. <laughs> It says, at last we have freedom. That's like a desperation of like, oh my goodness, at last we have freedom. I know for myself, when I actually got, when I had those, the sin cycle broken off, the addiction broken off, it was like a breath of fresh air. I felt, I literally felt this weight like lift off my shoulders. And it was like literally this, like I could actually like breathe. It was like, oh my goodness, at last we have freedom. Like that's what it's saying. For Christ has set us free we must always cherish this truth and firmly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. Because that's what it was. When you're living in sin, it's bondage. You're living in a life cycle of bondage. You're bound to something. It's holding you. Like when I talked about earlier, like when it's like, if this is my relationship that Jesus has for me, there's this bridge here. If I choose to keep hold on to my sin, it's bondage. I can't move into it because I'm not breaking up with it. I'm not accepting the fact that I can't, I can't do that. Like I can't walk into that. It's bondage. It's, it's holding me down. I can't get to it. And it's sad because when we think about, and when you look at our generation today, 
And what we choose to do is we, we see the result, we see Jesus, we want it so bad, we try to make the decision for ourselves, we try to find ourselves, we try to put it on something else, like put our, our breakthrough in something else, our freedom in something else. And then the worst part about it is that sadly, we like to champion each other in our, in, our, in our pain, in our sin. That was the biggest thing I realized is that when I'm around my friends, when I hear them, like when I used to be around my friends, and we'd hear about like, like I'm hearing about them talking about their anxiety in college, like we'll all hang out over the summer, they'll all come back. It's like, man, I had so much anxiety this, this semester. And then everyone's like, yeah, me too. And they sit in that. Like that's as much as they're gonna get to. It's like they champion each other's pain, they champion each other's bondage, they champion each other's sin life. So it's like when it's a clean breakup, it's like actually being like, no, I'm gonna cut myself off from those relationships if needed. Because at the end of the day, like God does wanna use you to preach the gospel, to go make disciples of all nations. So he can use you in those friend groups to bring breakthrough, to bring their freedom if he allows it. But it's also like, are you willing to actually make a clean breakup if he calls you to? Like I know for myself, like I've been around that friend group still for the past three years and we'll go and we'll hang out. And I've definitely had to start slowing, like pull myself away in moments. But it's like still knowing that like, man, like we carry something. Like it wasn't just the fact like that it was that I got set free, but God didn't just, I was sitting in that place like, God, what am I gonna do with my life? He broke off that addiction, but he also gave me a purpose. That's the thing. People think they can get free by themselves. They might go to like, let's say you have depression. You might go to counseling, which is really, really good. If you have depression, you need counseling. That's great. I went to it for myself for a year and it was amazing. But after that, it's like, what am I gonna choose to do? Like, am I gonna choose to walk in a purpose or am I gonna be like, okay, I'm great now. But like, God has a purpose for you. Thank you, Jesus. It says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And I'm gonna start landing the plane here, but I wanna talk about this for a second because it says for the wages of sin is death. And we've talked about sin. We've talked about what sin does, how it's bondage. We've talked about how it keeps us bound from what God has for us. It, kicks, it takes away our inheritance, it takes away our identity and what we're, we, we can be rooted in. But it says the wages of sin Y'all, sin is like a full-time job. When you're living in a life of sin, I know for myself, when I was living in that life cycle of sin, it was a Sunday to Saturday, 40 hours a week life cycle. That was what I was living in. And then what I didn't know is that the payment for that, like my, my check of like, all right, that's another week done. Go get my check, death. That's what it means. For the wages of sin is death. We're living in, we're living in a cycle of sin and like we're working, 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 getting stuck in it, but then we're ultimately what we're gonna receive is death. I didn't know that, sadly. I wish I would have known that sooner. Because when I was on that point when I was gonna take my life, when I wanted to take my life, what does it actually say? It says, let me find it. It says in 2 Thessalonians 1, 9, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Y'all, we're destined to be eternally separated from our Father who made us. That's what it is. For the wages of sin is death. Like, when we die, it's like, it's actually, he want, it's sin is pulling us away from our right relationship that God has for us. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a free gift. I know what the Lord showed me when I actually said yes to Jesus was it wasn't just that he said yes, and he, like I said, broke up the addiction, but like he handed me something. There was a gift there. Because we can, and like I know for myself, when I had that, that second moment I talked about where like the Lord kind of met me and I had that two week high, he handed me the gift, I just never opened it. That was what happened, because that's why I fell back into it. I didn't break up with my sin, and I didn't open the gift that he had for me. What is that gift? He has a call and a purpose on your life. So all those things in my life that the Lord did, where I was, all those areas of my life where I was stuck in a false identity, I was stuck in around the world with all these different things of racism and trying to live like the world told me to live. Like I didn't realize my inheritance. I didn't realize what God had actually called me to. I'm so just thankful to be able to stand before you guys today. Um, shout out Pastor Casey. I don't see him right now. But shout out Pastor Casey. Man, oh, there he is. Pastor Casey, shout out. Yo, I met Pastor Casey. Um, literally the launch of Gatekeepers. I came here, and it was really weird how that happened. Like, I've been to uh, the prayer room before, and so I literally don't know how I got invited to come. I just found myself in the room for the launch of Gatekeepers. And when I tell you, Pastor Casey preached fire. Like, it was a, can we just shout out Pastor Casey? 
Like, literally, can we shout him out for his covering, from him stewarding this place? That's an amazing man of God. He really does carry the heart of Jesus. And it's crazy, when I saw him again a few months ago, um, I believe it was back in October when we were in Georgia, he literally, like, it's crazy. You'll meet someone one time, and it's like you don't expect them to remember you and know your name. But he remembered me. He remembered our conversation. So, like, just a man like that, it just blows my mind, right? So I just love you, Pastor Casey. Thank you so much for having us. Um, this is crazy, y'all. We're going to stay right where Ian was. And because, like, it's, we want to go, and I'm going to go all the way back to Exodus. We're going to go to the children of Israel because the children of Israel— actually found themselves in a familiar situation that we find ourselves right now, right? And so we're going to go to Exodus 14, verse 13 through 16, and we're going to start there. We're going to weave our way through Exodus just a little bit. Um, but to catch you up, I'm going to read this, and I'm going to explain what's going on. And it reads, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. So what's happening right here is that the children of Israel, we know the Israelites, they were in Egypt, they were in so much bondage, and they were shackled because they spent too much time in a place that the Lord never ordained for them to be. And so they find themselves shackled, and the Lord eventually is like, okay, I'm going to raise up and a deliverer to come and pull them out of Egypt. And this deliverer name was Moses, and we all know this. And Moses goes, he has this crazy burning bush encounter with God. And after this encounter, he goes to Pharaoh, let my people go, all the plagues, the whole nine yards. And eventually Pharaoh allows the children of Israel to leave. And as they're leaving Egypt and they're going towards a place which God has prepared for them, they get to a point where there's a sea in front of them and it's blocking their way. Imagine that after you get free from freedom and you're, you're trying to make it over the last hump, there's one last obstacle between you and freedom. And this is where the children of Israel found themselves. And it's crazy. I was looking at that today. I was like, man, they found themselves in front of the Red Sea. And as I was saying Red Sea, the word red stuck out to me. And I was like, Red Sea. Man, there's something about that name, Red Sea. And then I started to remember what happened back in Levitical law with the children of Israel. See, whenever you committed a sin, whenever you messed up, you had to kill a ram, a lamb, a bird. You had to kill something in atonement for your sins. So blood had to be shed when you messed up. And this blood, it was crazy because this is before Jesus had come on the cross. They actually, every day, um, every year, they had one day called the... the um, I forget, the Festival of Remembrance or something like that, where they had to remember their sins. And when I think about the Red Sea in front of them and freedom, I just imagine that this Red Sea represented blood. The Red Sea, right? And I imagine that it represented all of the guilt, the shame, all of the blood that was shed for their sins, that they would kill a ram, they would kill a goat. I just imagine how many times you think a people, a nation did that. Like, let's imagine America with all the mistakes we made. How many times would we kill a goat, kill a lamb? And imagine, I really think it would be enough blood to fill up a sea. And so they find themselves in between freedom and the Red Sea, and a sea representing all the guilt, the shame, the pain, their addictions, all these things separating them and freedom. And even worse than that, a sea of remembrance, that they have to remember everything they've done wrong. That's crazy. They're trying to, like, they're literally trying to make it out. But there's a Red Sea stopping them from freedom. And as we just read in the verse, we see that God gave Moses an instruction. That he recognized that there was a Red Sea stopping them and fully engaging in freedom. And he gave Moses one instruction. What did he say? He said, lift your staff and the sea will divide. And it's crazy. I've literally, I, I, I had this revelation today. I've never even thought about this before. And I was like, lift your staff. Why does this sound familiar? Oh, Staff is wood. Oh, 
he's elevating a piece of wood over all this guilt, condemnation, and shame, and then it splits and lets people get free. It sounds familiar to me. I don't know if you're catching it, but I remember that in the New Testament, it talks about there's a man named Jesus who came on a piece of wood very similarly, and there was so much blood, guilt, shame, addictions, remembrance, separating us from freedom, and but this piece of wood led us to freedom. And we see it happening in Exodus, that the same way God freed us, he freed the children of Israel back in the day. And so this miracle happens where Moses gets confidence. He puts his staff up and the sea divides. And they get to walk through the Red Sea out of bondage. Man, that's crazy, walking out of bondage. I don't know if you've ever experienced bondage before, but I have. I'm a similar story as Ian. I'm a PK, so I lived in church. My dad's a pastor. My grandpa's a pastor. My uncle's a pastor. My uncle's dad is a pastor. I lived in the church. Every single day, I was doing church affairs, but I didn't have a relationship with Jesus, so I lived in a cycle of bondage until Jesus came and split that sea for me. Split the sea of remembering all my wrongs. Split the sea of pornography. Split the sea of anxiety. Split the sea of depression. And I was able to walk through out of bondage. But the great thing about God is God is not, he doesn't just stop at getting you from bondage. When he frees you from, he actually frees you into something. So you go from bondage into something. And so today I want to talk to you about that more. And I really feel like this is a room where we can focus on the more. There's a a scripture in 2 Timothy 2 and 4, and it talks about that soldiers don't engage in civilian affairs. And I feel like this is that room because obviously we're living in a nation, in a world that's fallen, right? A fallen world. And so there's so many problems, man. I didn't eat today. I'm, I'm struggling today. Someone did me wrong today. But I would like to tell you that those are like first heaven problems. I believe that in worship, we got up to third heaven. And I want to just stay there. And we're going to transcend all these earthly issues. And we're going to go straight for the glory of God. Can we do that? So I'm going to be quick. That was my opening. We're going to jump in and then we're going to get back out. But I really felt like the Lord's giving us permission to go for glory. Go for glory. And if you are sitting in this room and you've heard this gospel message and, and, and if you didn't respond, I believe that you've already accepted this in your heart, then you have a commandment and opportunity to go for glory. This is where we are now. And so the Israelites find themselves getting out of bondage, getting out of Egypt, and now they're in the wilderness season. Yo, that's crazy. In a wilderness season. And that can be a confusing time for you because you're like, God, I made it out of something. But now I'm in a time that I don't even know where I'm really going. Like you say you're taking me somewhere, but I don't even see the destination yet. So really, where are you taking me? But the wilderness season is so important, y'all. It's so important. As we can see in the New Testament, Jesus was led in the wilderness season. If you look at Hosea, it says that God leads us into the wilderness. And then he says there he can win us back and speak tenderly to us. So there's actually something key about the wilderness season that I want to highlight just a little bit. The wilderness is a place where you yourself can encounter the glory of God. Because there is a place that he's taking you after. Salvation is great. We get free. But there's a a level of freedom that he wants us to walk into that's not just for ourselves, but it's actually so much deeper. It's for a community. It's for a generation. And we're actually able to carry the freedom that was given to us to so many more people. It's crazy. This is the gospel that he uses imperfect people to do his perfect will. This is the gospel. Like he empowers us. Like it's I remember one time when I first like really started walking with the Lord, I was reading the New Testament. I read this verse of the Bible. Jesus was speaking to his disciples and he said this, who you forgive, I forgive. And who you don't forgive, I don't forgive. I'm like, how do you trust them that much? Like what? I'm like, I wouldn't trust myself. What, what do you say? Like, especially like if he would have just said, who you forgive, I forgive. Cool. Why did you have to say who you don't forgive? I don't forgive. Like that really blew me. I was like, what do you, yo, you trusting them way too much. But This is how much, because God knows that he's done something in you and this thing that he's put on the inside of you is going to work in a way where you're going to constantly, if you're going after the glory of God, you'll be a a constant forgiver. He doesn't have to worry about you going left or right because he knows that the glory is, is in you. 
And so I just feel we have an open opportunity today to go for glory. And so the children of Israel made it out. They're in the wilderness. They make it past the Red Sea. And then we're going to skip to Exodus 19, 16 and 20. This is where we'll base the message and we'll get out of here. I'm going to read it. It says this. It says, on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people, brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and a whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. What a sight. The Lord came down on, on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. And I'm going to skip to Exodus 20, 18 to 21. And then it says, now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. They stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. But don't let God speak to us, lest we will die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses grew near to, grew, uh, drew near to the thick darkness where God was. It's crazy where they got into the wilderness. And similarly to Moses, when Moses was in the wilderness, he encountered the glory of God in the burning bush. And so now they make it to a setting where God actually wants to meet them with his glory. What a privilege. God wants to meet them with his glory. How many times are we on our knees, God? Meet me. Meet me, God. I need to encounter your glory. How many times do we say this? Do we cry from our belly? God, meet me with your glory. And the Israelites find themselves at the precipice of glory, at the mountain, at the bottom of the mountain where the glory of God is. And Moses went up the mountain to God. And as the Lord is speaking and his glory is being shown all around the mountain and it's an amazing sight. Yeah, it could, you feel the trembling, but you should be in awe of the great glory of God. But the children of Israel didn't get that from that. They saw all this thunder and lightning instead of feeling hopeful and in awe of the power of God. They said, no, 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 this is too much. Now, now we've gone too far. Now, uh-uh. See, I was cool with just wandering in the wilderness. But now that there's smoke and fire on a mountain, we've gone too far. I can't handle this. See, I wanted freedom, but now that I see that freedom is kind of scary, I'm not really about it anymore because I didn't know it was going to be like this. And so, it, you know what? Someone, just anyone else talking, you know, I'm just going to listen to someone else. Let me just go get motivational speaking on YouTube because God's been taking me in some, some scary verses, some scary things, and I'm not quite ready for that yet. So I'm going to stay over here where I'm comfortable, where I've, where I've been. I'm good. Let me just go watch. Okay, let's go watch some Eric Thomas. I love Eric Thomas, but let me just watch him. Let me stay right here. Okay, that's good for me. Okay, motivational. Okay, that's good. I don't want to go deep in the glory of God. I'd rather stay at the foot of the mountain. I'm just going to stay right here. And I just feel like the Lord is saying that we've stood at the foot of the mountain enough. And what Jesus did, what Jesus did, he made a way that all of us could encounter the glory of God. See, actually, the children of Israel really couldn't have gone up the mountain if they wanted to because the Lord said they couldn't. And Moses reminded God, he was like, God, they can't come up. Um, but they could have stood there and listened. Um, but what Jesus did, he actually through his blood made us holy enough to ascend the mountain to God. And what, and because we couldn't go up the mountain, Jesus came down and met us here. And so now we actually have access to the glory of God. And I just really feel like this is a room that is tired of being at the bottom of the mountain, that they see their life is so much more filled with glory and purpose that they said, God, I am unwilling to stay at the bottom, but I want to elevate with you, God. I I want to go to the promised land. Where are you taking me, God? I want to go. And we want to be the generation that says, no, we're fine with worldly wisdom. We're fine with the man speaking to us. God, don't talk to us. I don't, I don't need to have a personal relationship with you, God. I have my pastor. I have my God. I don't, why do I need to talk to you? 
I, I can go and listen to uh, church online. Why do I need to commune with you intimately? And the greatest thing I love about this house is that this house is all about prayer and intimacy with God. That all of us go after God ourselves because we don't have to have a priest in between us anymore. That the veil was split from top to bottom. So now we can have an intimate relationship with God and experience his glory for ourselves. See, Moses knew something. Moses had already encountered the glory of God. And Moses knew that the key to getting to glory to glory is that you have to have that intimate one-on-one encounter with God. You have to have it. See, Moses encountered the burning bush, and the burning bush led a whole nation to freedom. So what would happen if this whole room encountered glory? That was one man. Moses was a murderer. Maybe we forget who Moses was. He was a murderer. He didn't really grow up around and with his people. He lived in like a privileged area, like, and he stuttered. So like he, he disqualified himself from all these reasons. And I see a room of people that love Jesus. What would happen if we went up the mountain and said, God, we want to walk in your glory? Like not only do we want it, God, but I am unwilling to move forward unless your glory meets me. I'm not going forward anymore, God, because I can't make it to what you have for me if I don't get encapsulated and captured, baptized in your glory. I just really feel like this is that room. Uh, uh, literally, a 24-7 prayer room is going on right next door to us, and I feel like we've been in moments where we've been, God, I want the glory, I want the glory, but let me tell you what the glory is for, because sometimes God doesn't allow the glory to come and baptize us because we don't even know what it's for the glory of God is not for just like sitting and having a good like a, a, a quiet time man I had a good quiet time today guys got met that was amazing no we see what the glory is for when we go to the new testament we go to acts 2 what do we see in Acts 2? Like, it sounds like rushing waters. It comes, the wind is going crazy, fire, and uh, all these things, tongues, and all these things are going on. But what do we see after that? Once we didn't get baptized in this, in this fire of God and the glory of God, and then immediately after that, we see the gospel going forth and 3,000 people getting saved. It told us what glory was for. Immediate activation from the glory of God. This is why it says we go from glory to glory. Going from glory to glory doesn't mean getting a great quiet time and sitting down and waiting for that next moment. It means, God, you've given me this glory. I've, I've, I've met you, right? Moses had a fear of the Lord moment with the burning bush, with God. Wow, you're real. Wow, you're powerful. Wow, you're strong. Wow, you give me peace. Wow, you give me freedom. Wow, you've cleansed me from my sins. Wow. Okay, and now I can actually, like, do something with you like I can partner with you and telling other people about your glory and seeing glory fall on earth and he had that moment and then from then on he sees that nation get saved and I just feel like the Lord is like man this is a room that is about to go for my glory in a way that they haven't done before and it's like it's crazy because the children of Israel like they were God's chosen people so if we look at this from a place of like saved right they were saved right they were God's chosen people but Moses is the one who said, God, show me your glory. We always want to be like Moses, but are we the ones that are not satisfied with just being God's chosen people? Would we be ones that said, God, show me your glory? Show me your glory. Show me. Would you be desperate after the glory of God and not to sit in it, but to say, oh my gosh, the glory of God is for activation. That through the glory of God resting on my life, that I can see my city get saved. That we would see GGC get saved. Like, like, could we actually dream that far and say that, God, if you sent 120 in the upper room and the gospel went to the four corners of the earth after that, what could happen with my yes? What could happen? And you're here because God is saying, it's, it's time. It's time where we're not settling for the foot of the mountain. Nathan, you can come up. It's time to stop settling for the foot of the mountain. And it's time to allow God to pull us deeper into where he is. And there's one thing that really stuck out to me. It said, the people stood far off. So when the glory of God comes, where do you stand? Are you one that draws near? Are you one that goes the opposite direction and stands far off? And then it kept saying, while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was, it's weird. We always like talk about God. We always talk about light. 
because that's who Jesus is. But this verse says that Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. What does this mean? It means to go deeper into the glory of God, you have to step into something unknown. That's what darkness is. When you, I don't know if you've ever been in a pitch black room where there's no lights. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what's going to happen. Peter didn't know if he was really going to walk on water when he stepped out there, but he knew that he had a chance to capture the glory of God and to do something with God that had never been done before. And I feel like this room is a room marked with intimacy. And I want to tell you that you're marked with glory as well. You're marked for the glory of God. And you can partner with him to see some pretty amazing things. I feel like the Lord says there's callings on each of you individually. Like individually, the Lord saw you when he was going to the cross. And I want you to know that individually, there's a calling that he's placed in your heart. There's a dream that you are fit to do. And this is why Romans 8, 1, it talks about those are in Christ. Condemnation no longer abides on us because the enemy wants to bring that Red Sea back to you and condemn you and say you're not worthy to walk in the glory of God. You're not worthy to see people set free. You're not worthy to see your family come to Jesus. And he'll tell you, you're not even worthy to carry my message, but that's not what the gospel is. The gospel says that every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people, every culture can walk in this glory and carry the message of the gospel. Jesus said he died for the sins of the world. So you have the opportunity to walk in glory. And it's crazy, the whole time I was preparing this message, I just kept hearing that he's like, they're ripe and ready. Like, there's no greater place for the glory to come out of but from a prayer room, a place of intimacy. Y'all, y'all about to flip this country upside down. But I encourage you guys, do not stay where the children of Israel were comfortable with familiarity. But would you ascend to the thick darkness where God is? God is in the unknown. There's so many sides of God. God is infinite. There's so many sides of God's we haven't seen. But the thing about God, he's not saying, oh, these are sides about me you've never seen. He's like, come see. Come see. Come see. Come see. This is the invitation today. And I feel like the Lord is just inviting you and we've recognized it's so easy to do good, but not necessarily be moving in exactly what God wants us to do. It's so easy to make it out of Egypt and just wander around the wilderness and be comfortable there. But the problem is when you wander around that wilderness long enough, eventually you'll go back to Egypt. We see that that's what the Israelites wanted to do when they got to the Jordan. And, and maybe, just maybe, Moses knew that it was important for the children of Israel to have their own glory encounter with God. Because maybe Moses knew that they got free from one sea, from one body of water, but to make it into the promised land, they were going to face another. See, the Red Sea was the first body of water that they got free from. But to get into the promise of God, that was the land prepared for them, they had to cross the Jordan River. Another body of water. The glory of God prepares you to cross the Jordan River. It prepares you to take the land. And you're here today. You've met Jesus because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And there is a land for the taking. And this land is not dealing with social issues. All these things are important to the heart of God. But God, Jesus said, I've not come to overthrow the Roman Empire. He said, there's something greater. There's something greater and you're in this room because you carry that greater things. He said, greater works than I did, you will do. Will you sign up to walk in greater? Will you sign? It's a choice. It's a choice to walk in greater glory. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Two different things. You have life, but will you choose abundant life? Will you choose to walk in the glory of God? Will you choose not to be complacent in just having your salvation? But will you say that, man, there's a calling on my life. And it doesn't mean you go and become a preacher. It means that you were created with an expression of God. That you were meant to show to the world. We are all meant to show the expression that God has laid on our hearts to the world. And through your expression, there's a people attached to you. 
God needed his people to understand that attached to the land, because God could have chose anything, anywhere in the world, but it wasn't so much about the land. It was about the people attached to the land. And I want to tell you that your expression, there's a people attached to your expression of the glory of God that rests on your life. There's a, there's a people attached to the expression of the glory of God that's on you. And if you don't show them, who's going to show them? The day that I started walking with the Lord for real is when I saw people that came on my campus that were my age preaching the gospel. I'd never seen that before. I grew up at a Baptist church where only I grew up with the older generation where I didn't see anyone my age walking in realness with God. I only knew about preachers and elders and pastors. I didn't know that we were called right now. Right now, you are called right now to let the glory of God, that expression, to go into the world and reach them. So can we stand up really quick? I just believe the Lord wants to give you confidence and that you really do carry the glory of God. That through salvation, you have been called, you have been chosen, you've been handpicked by God. And the thing that you've been trying to suppress for so long, the thing that you've been asking, God, what's wrong with me? The Lord is saying, no, 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 it's not what's wrong with you. It's what's right with you because I'm about to shift that thing and make it for my glory. It says in Revelation 12, 11, we overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So there's whatever is wrong with you is what's right about God. See, we can trust that the expression in us can actually be used for his glory because God is that good. Jesus is that good where he allows his blood to be put on you that even the bad parts of you can be turned around and be used for his glory. And I feel like we're in a room of people that love Jesus. They're saying, God, Let's go up the mountain. God, I'm gonna walk in thick darkness. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that this message ministered to you and that the Lord met you. You can follow us on Instagram at gatekeepersatl. We'll see you in the next episode.